turning on. Well, good morning. So we're going to uh, start off with uh, a little game here called Stump the Pastor. Many of you long-time G-Packers remember Stump the Pastor? Way, 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 how many ways backs. But uh, back, I didn't grow up here in Grand Prairie, but uh, I was a student at Peace River Bible Institute, and while I was there, I attended this church. And they used to do this thing called Stump the Pastor, where there was a box. It wasn't this box, but there was a box, kind of like this. And uh, every week, this box would go home with some family. And the kids could put in the box whatever they wanted. And then the box would come back. And uh, they would have all the kids come up to the front, and the pastor would come down, and they would hand him the box, and he would open the box. And whatever was in the box, he had to turn that into an object lesson, some kind of Bible lesson, right? And so the goal was to stump the pastor. I didn't actually see the pastor get stumped very often. He was pretty good, right? So we're going to play a little round of uh, a stump the pastor. Now, I cheated because I already know what's in the box, but, uh, but you don't, so and maybe this is stump the congregation. So let's, let's see what we have in the box here today. We have a spool of thread. Now, what possible spiritual principle could we draw from a spool of thread? Well, thread's actually an interesting thing. When, when you think of it, threads uh, is not really that strong. I mean, it's pretty easy to snap thread, not really very difficult. But here's the thing. If you take thread and you start wrapping thread, like lots of thread, all over the place, dropping your thread on the floor, all that kind of stuff, you start wrapping thread around, what happens is that thread becomes very difficult to break. And suddenly this wimpy thread isn't so wimpy anymore. And in some ways, that's kind of like us. Right? We are like thread. We might think we're strong. You might think you're strong. But the reality is, uh, you're not really that strong on your own. And if you don't believe me, I have two words for you. Connor McDavid. Maybe I should add, sorry, Pastor Wes. But, you know, Connor McDavid... Arguably the best hockey player on the planet right now, but even Connor McDavid by himself cannot save the Edmonton Oilers. He needs help. Even the strongest thread cannot do it on their own. And this is one of the ways that God has designed the church. One of the reasons that God has designed us as a community is because he knows that we need each other. In fact, in the book of Ecclesiastes, we actually read about this. The writer of Ecclesiastes writes this. He says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity the one who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. We're going to continue on in our series of one another's, and we're going to talk about a one another today that really is designed, I think, to tap into, we'll call it the power of thread. Right, so, uh, God, ask, we ask that you would guide us as we open your word through your spirit. You would open our hearts and minds uh, to hear your truth. In Jesus' name, we ask it. Amen. 
All right, so the passage I'm going to take you to this morning is Galatians chapter 6. In Galatians chapter 6. And I'm going to read it for you from the, uh, the Christian Standard Version. And here's what we read in Galatians chapter 6, starting at verse 1 and reading to uh, verse 5. It says this, Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. Carry one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let each person examine his own work, and then he can take pride in himself alone and not compare himself with someone else. For each person will have to carry his own load. Now the verse I want to pick up on today is verse 2. Carry one another's burdens, and in this way fulfill the law of Christ. Bearing one another's burdens, carrying one another's burdens, is one of the ways that we reflect and fulfill Christ's law, His command to love one another. One of the ways we do this is by becoming people who carry one another's burdens. Now, I have bad news and good news for you this morning. The bad news is that we have a lot of burdens. There are a lot of burdens, and some of you know what I'm talking about. You carry a lot of burdens. The good news is that means we have lots of opportunities. Lots of opportunities to carry one another's burdens. Some of these burdens might be practical burdens, right? They're, these might be the most obvious, the most concrete, circumstantial types of things, you know, financial burdens, uh, practical things, specific things that you need. And we can carry one another's burdens by, you know, maybe giving some money or giving some time, fixing something, lending something, helping someone out in an emergency, helping just practically uh, solve a problem or stepping into someone's need. They have the need and you have the resources that can meet them and we can use that to carry each other's burdens. A few years ago, I found myself unexpectedly unemployed and wasn't really sure what I was going to do next and was kind of wondering, how do I, what do I do? How do I care for my family? Those kinds of things. And there was a guy in our church, his name was Mike. Now, Mike had an independent sheet metal business. It was basically a private, it was just him, uh, con contracting business or contracted business uh, in sheet metal. And uh, Mike decided that he would hire me to be his assistant in his little private sheet metal business. Now, something you have to understand about this is that if we were to go over here and draw like a big circle here, in this circle are all the skills necessary to be successful in the sheet metal business. And over here are all the skills that Brad Cowie has. You can see the problem. Right? Uh, Mike, there is no way that Mike hired me because it was good for his business. <laughs> but he saw this as an opportunity to help meet someone's need. And so I think at financial sacrifice to himself, he gave me a job. Um, maybe thankfully in God's providence, I was only there for a couple of months, and then I well, found another job that was maybe a little bit more suited for me. Right? But he met a practical need and carried my burden for a while, helped carry my burden. Right? So, so there are these practical needs. Other needs might be more of the emotional uh, kind of nature. So, now, the Bible tells us in Romans 12 to weep with those who weep, right? Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. 
And sometimes the burdens we carry are emotional burdens. And what we need is for someone to come alongside us and to support us and to listen to us, to empathize with us, to pray with us, to encourage us, and sometimes even just to sit in silence with us. That's what we need. Right? And so we can, we can step into one another's emotional burdens. Uh, something, there's been an interesting dynamic in uh, Barb and my marriage that I am, I am thankful for, and I've thought about this on numerous occasions. You know, some days, sometimes I have a bad day. And some days, Barb has a bad day. It's actually not that common in our marriage anyways. It hasn't been that common for us to have a bad day on the same day. And one of the cool things that's happened is when Barb's having a bad day, I've been able to come in and help, empathize, encourage, you know, maybe be the, the voice of reason or balance and, and, and kind of help her through her bad day. And when I'm having a bad day, Barb comes alongside me, tells me to stop whining and get over it, right, and, you know, enc- encourages me, right, to, uh, you know, to, um, you know, put things back in perspective. But together, we carry one another's burdens, right? We can come alongside one another. And so there are ways when, that we, we can do this. We can come alongside in people's emotional burdens. And then there's a third kind of burden, and that is, I'm going to call it a spiritual burden because I don't have a better term for it, really, in a sense, everything is spiritual. But by spiritual burdens this morning, I'm talking about maybe those, those deeper issues, matters of the heart, the soul. For example, our ongoing struggle with sin that we all wrestle with. And this is actually the specific context or application that Paul has in mind in Galatians chapter 6. This is actually what he's talking about when he says carry one another's burdens. You know, it's tricky sometimes when you're reading a Bible passage to sort of figure out what's core principle and what's specific application of that core principle. I do think there, there is a core principle in the Bible of carrying one another's burdens that runs throughout the Bible because you see it expressed in all kinds of different ways in different contexts. But here, Paul specifically takes that application and says one of the burdens you can carry, you can help carry, is this burden of the struggle with sin, these deeper spiritual burdens. Now, that kind of a burden can get a little bit messy, not that the other ones can't, but this one in particular. Because now we're dealing with the really deep parts of our souls and our hearts. And it can be a little tricky, and it can sometimes get a little bit messy. And the image that comes to mind, I don't know if you've ever seen those, you know, YouTube videos that pop up every now and then, you know, people walking through the forest, and they'll see like a, a wild animal that's trapped, right, trapped in the ice, or trapped in a trap, or, you know, deer's got their antlers stuck in a tree, or they're caught in a fence or something. And, and so people, so the video is people trying to free this animal from their trap. Now, I've never tried to free a bobcat from a trap, but I imagine it's kind of tricky, right? Because you've got to somehow find a way to free this wild animal from the trap without getting maimed in the process, Right? And sometimes that's what it feels like when we step into the mess of people's lives. It starts to feel a little bit dangerous. And so what we sometimes will do is we will shy back from people who are struggling rather than move towards them. We might say, well, it's, I'm, I'm concerned for my holiness. But really, in some cases, it really is a lack of love. 
It's easier for us to avoid the messiness in people's lives, to step back and judge from a distance than it is for us to get in the muck with them and help them lift that load that they've fallen under. It's hard work to step into the mess of people's lives, to balance truth and grace, right? To be tough on sin and yet gentle with people. It might mean, depending on the circumstance, it might mean confrontation, intervention, speaking hard truths to people that they don't want to hear. It might mean accountability or setting boundaries or sometimes even consequences. It might mean absorbing pain or enduring loss or forgiving or giving somebody a second chance or a third chance or a fourth chance or, in Jesus' words, a 70 times seventh chance. It might mean refusing to give up on someone who's already given up and move towards someone who's trying to move away from you. It might mean interruptions, impositions, inconveniences, late-night phone calls. It might require a long-term, patient commitment in a situation where progress is slow and there are a lot of setbacks. These are not easy burdens to carry. But we model Christ and we fulfill His command to carry one another's burdens when we're willing to step into the messiness of people's lives and walk with them in their struggles. Where we become a community where people can be real and open and honest about their weaknesses and their struggles without fear of rejection. And instead of drawing back in disgust, or avoiding because it's awkward, we step into the mess of people's lives and we get under their burden and we help them to carry it. This is a unique, unusual type of community. But it's the community that reflects Christ. So how do we be that kind of community? Well, let's talk a little bit about the attitudes that we need to have. Because I think some of this begins with having a healthy, healthy attitude. And there are Christ-like ways to help someone and unchrist-like ways to try to help someone. And here we get, again, some, I think some wisdom from Galatians 6 and some of the, the surrounding comments of the context. So let me suggest four attitudes that Paul kind of addresses in passing in this passage that we need to give some attention to as we're carrying one another's burdens. So the first attitude that we need to avoid is this one, condescension. The attitude of condescension, that the attitude that I am better than you. You're stuck in sin, I'm not, therefore I'm better. And condescension can come out in a lot of different ways. It can come out in graceless, harsh words, like, what's wrong with you? You're a bad person. You know, why don't you just get it together? These harsh words that sting rather than helping. It can come across in statements of superiority. Well, I would never do that. Can't believe you did that. I would never do that. It can come out in gossip. You know what so-and-so did? Paul says in Galatians 6.1, he says, You who are spiritual, restore those who have fallen, restore them with a gentle spirit watching out for yourselves so that you won't also be tempted. 
Now he calls on the spiritual, which I think in the later, greater context refers to those who are walking by the Spirit, because that's what he's been talking about up to this point. Those who are walking with the Spirit, he calls on them to restore those who have fallen. But he says to them, make sure you restore people gently. Gently. And watch out for yourselves that you're not also tempted. And I wonder if the temptation he is warning against at that particular point is the temptation of pride or self-righteousness. So Paul says, you who are spiritual, restore them, but do it gently and do it humbly. Watch out for condescension. Second attitude we need to watch out for is the attitude of complaining. This is the attitude of, I don't, shouldn't have to do this. This is kind of this uh, annoyance kind of attitude. Now Paul says in verse 3, he says this. He says, for if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Well, it's kind of an odd verse in the middle of this conversation. But this verse actually begins with the word for. Now, I read in a, a particular translation today, because not all translations translate that word for, and we won't get into the technicalities of why that is. But this verse begins with the word for, which may suggest that in Paul's mind, these two statements are connected together. So he's saying, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, for if someone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. And these ideas are actually meant to be together. And if that's the case, what is Paul suggesting? And possibly, I think Paul is addressing the attitude of, I shouldn't have to do this. That attitude of annoyance that sometimes we have when we're dealing with people who are struggling. I shouldn't have to do this. I don't have time for this. And get your act together. I, I, I don't have time for this. Uh, when I was a, a young pastor, my very first pastor, very first couple that called me for marriage counseling were on the verge of divorce because they couldn't agree on whose job it was to sweep the Cheerios off the kitchen floor. That's what they were fighting over. Now, turns out there was more than that. But that's was, that was what they told me the problem was. And I remember thinking, I don't have time for this. <laughs> right. oh, seriously, Cheerios? I don't have time for this. But this is what we have to guard against, right? This sort of grumbling annoyance, the, the loss of patience with people in their struggle, as if for some reason we don't need to be involved in this. Uh, the New Living Translation actually translate, the, translates this verse this way. It says this, if you think you are too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. We need to take that to heart. See, when we, when we have a struggling brother or sister in Christ struggling, they are not an inconvenience to us. They should be seen as an opportunity. And again, we need to realize that at some point, the tables might be turned, and it might be me in need of somebody reaching out to me and helping me. So these are not annoyances. These are not inconveniences. These are opportunities for us to express the love of Christ. So Paul says, don't think you're above this, helping one another. This is what you're here for. Don't think you're above this. Don't get annoyed. Right? For, uh, third attitude, comparing. I'm so glad I'm not you. Right? This attitude of comparison. In verse 4, Paul says, let each person examine his own work, and then he can take pride in himself alone and not compare himself with someone else comparing. Maybe we don't become condescending or harsh, but sometimes 
we get into this, we fall into this trap of using people's struggles as an excuse to compare ourselves to them and make ourselves feel better. I'm so glad I don't struggle with what they struggle with. I'm so glad I'm not like them. And, and we use this as, okay, I have problems. Okay, I know I'm not perfect, but at least I'm not them. At least I'm not that bad. And so we use this as a means of kind of making ourselves feel better. We use other people's failures as a means of making ourselves feel better. And sometimes we even secretly rejoice when people fall because it makes us feel better about our own struggles. We need to get rid of this attitude of comparison. It's never wise to turn faith into a competition or a comparison, and especially when that means ignoring the pain of someone else. So we need to get rid of comparing. And then the fourth attitude we need to watch for is the attitude of controlling. Right? This idea, I will save you by taking over. Right, uh, that instead of helping, we kind of we, we become the rescuer who kind of parachutes into their life and takes over everything. Now, Paul has an interesting statement here at the very end here in verse five. He says, "Each person will have to carry his own load." Now, first reading that sounds like a bit of a contradiction because Paul just said carry one another's burdens, and now he's saying everybody should carry their own load. Isn't that a contradiction? Well, no, I don't think it's a contradiction. I think it's a balancing. See, carrying one another's burdens is not removing another person from ownership of their own life. It's not living their life for them. It's not becoming the controlling influence or making their decisions for them. I mean, first of all, if you try to do that, you will overload yourself. Because now you're not only carrying your burdens, you're trying to carry everybody else's burdens, and you will burn yourself out. But even more importantly... This is not how we help people. We don't help people by taking over their lives. Instead, what we're doing here when we carry one another's burdens is it's more the idea of we're stepping in temporarily to help someone. Someone has fallen. Someone has fallen under, under, uh, under a load or they've tripped or they've slipped. Think of it in those types of things. And what we're doing is we're reaching out that hand to help them up. The burden's too, carry, too heavy for them. So we're saying, here, let me carry the burden with you so that we can carry it together. But it is, it's a temporary, um, you might say, intervention into the situation to help them get back on their feet and find um, you know, the wholeness, the healing, find the help that they need so that they can once again be equipped and empowered to continue on in their own life, to carry their own load, right, to own their own life. So the goal is not to create dependence on you. You are not their Messiah. There's only one Messiah and you're not him. You are not their Messiah. The goal is not to take over their life. The goal is to help them through this crisis, help them by lifting them up that they've fallen, and then helping them turn back towards Jesus so that they are depending on Jesus, not on you. And so... Uh, we need to be careful not to become controlling in our help. So then what attitudes does that imply? Well, uh, it implies, uh, I think, a few attitudes. Paul doesn't list them here, but I'm going to offer you a few. It implies attitudes like humility. Remember, I am not better than the person who has fallen. 
And there may be a day when I will need their help. Compassion. Honestly caring about other people's needs. Love. Seeking what is best for them and being willing to be part of that. Right? Desire for wisdom. Seeking the wisdom of God. These are the attitudes that we need to bring into these interactions. Right? Not attitudes of complaining, comparing, condescending, controlling. So we need to have these attitudes. Now let me talk just a few minutes in the last few minutes here about some practical things. How do we practically engage in helpful action? And I just want to mention a couple of things just to kind of get you thinking about how we do this in practical means as a church. And the first thing I want you to think about is the the whole area of gifting and wiring. We are a body, and in a body we have different gifts, different wirings, different personalities, different strengths and weaknesses. And there are some of you that are wired for practical help. That's, that's how you are wired. That's how you're gifted. If there's a practical need and you can step in and meet that practical need, that's how you're wired. That's what your strength is, right? Some of you are wired for empathy, right? Coming alongside people in their emotional pain and listening to them, encouraging them praying with them. Some of you are wired and gifted for empathy. Some of you have been gifted with what I'll call spiritual wisdom or spiritual counsel, right? The ability to help people work through some of the more difficult things in their lives, and you have that ability. And so the first thing I would say is we do need to recognize, even in this particular situation, that it is not one person necessarily who carries another's load, but it can be the community, that we can together carry one another's loads. And as we do this in community, we can tap into the strengths and gifts of multiple people. I don't have to be the single sole person that helps someone. I can draw on community, right? So don't be afraid to draw on community if you know someone is in need and you know they need something that you maybe aren't in a position to offer. That's what community is there for. And hopefully the rest of us are going, yes, that's what we're here for. So we need to do this in community. But I think also this, this is something we can grow in as individuals. I think we can get better at this. And if you're one who thinks, I I want to be able to do this, but I don't know where to start, just let me suggest this. And this is just one idea. It's not to be all and end all. The one idea. My suggestion is this. Start with practical help. Look for practical ways that you can do practical things to show care and compassion in tangible ways. Start there. And there's all kinds of practical things you can do. Look for practical ways to help. And what you may find is as you start to do that, doors will open for opportunities to engage people in in more of a personal conversation. They will start to open up their lives to you as you help them. We hear stories of that all the time around here, right? Fed, winterize your ride, stories are always coming back. People that this church helped practically, and as a consequence of us helping them practically, we were also able to step in emotionally and even spiritually into their lives. And so that practical help opens doors to enter into people's lives. And sometimes that even opens doors to enter into the deep places of people's lives and become a voice of spiritual truth to them that they trust because they know you care because you've already been carrying their burdens with them. And we become that voice of truth to them. And, And so that's just a practical thing that we could maybe do. So, over uh, reading break, I don't usually do reading break, over um, Boxing Week, 
We just finished reading break at the school, so that's still in my mind. Uh, over Boxing Week, I uh, went out and bought some, some shirts, because I hadn't actually bought shirts for a long time, and I figured I needed some new shirts, you know, so I decided I would go and buy some shirts. I took uh, my wife and my daughter with me, because daughters don't let dad shop alone. That's dangerous. Right? And uh, we, had, we had, and we bought some shirts, right? And this actually is one of them, right? I, I really like it. It's kind of a, a nice shirt, right? Anybody want to take a guess at what this shirt is made out of? It's made out of thread. <laughs> many threads, many, many, many threads, right? Woven together, right, into something that has form and strength and beauty. I was actually talking about thread with a seamstress a couple weeks ago, and she said, I didn't, hear this, I didn't see this coming, but she said this to me. She said, do you know that thread is what holds climbing gear together? wasn't the first image that came to mind, but thread is what holds climbing gear together. So when you're hanging off the precipice of that cliff, and it's a thousand feet down to sure doom, what is holding you safe may well be thread. Hopefully many, many, many threads at that particular point. But see, that's Christ's vision for the church. That we as individual threads would weave together. And together we would form something that is beautiful and something that is strong. And in so doing, we carry one another's burdens and we fulfill the law of Christ. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of community. We thank you for how you have brought us together as a community. And I thank you for so many people in this church who are already reaching out in compassion to carry people's burdens, whether that be practical help, emotional help, spiritual help, people who are stepping into other people's lives and helping them when they fall, helping them when they are in need. And Father, may we truly become a community known by that. May we become a community of compassion. May we become a community where people can come with their, their needs and their struggles and their sins and their entanglements and they know that we will move towards them. We will get under the load with them. We will lift it up. We will lift them up. We will carry the load together. May we be that kind of community because in doing that, we will reflect Christ to this city and to this world. So, Father, make us a community of people who carry one another's burdens. Do it for your sake and for the sake of your Son, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, just a couple reminders as uh, you're leaving here. If you